0: Hello and thank you for joining us today on this episode of Musiccast. It's going to be kind of a longer episode, so let's just get right into it. Okay, our first guest today is going to be Madeline State. I'll let her introduce herself.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, hello, my name is Madeline State. I am a fifth year here at Ohio University and I'm studying music education and I'm getting a conducting minor.
0: All right, awesome. Thank you for being with us today. We're going to jump right into the questions. Our first one being how would you define a melody in your opinion?
1: Um, I feel like a melody is the main like, idea of a piece. It's like how a lot of reading and literature will just have, like, this is the main idea of this reading. And it, I feel like it's the same thing as music. If you don't have that focused singular idea, then it's a whole bunch of nonsense.
0: All right, interesting. So what do you find attractive about a melody? Are there any tips of, like, motifs, uh, rhythmic patterns, or anything like that, um, just anything and everything that uh, you find attractive about a melody?
1: Um, I I honestly really like when a melody can play off of everything else that's going on in a work of music at a time, but sometimes that always isn't the case, because music is so subjective sometimes, but if I had to pick, I would say how a melody plays off of all of the parts around it.
0: Alright, awesome. Um, So I didn't have this one written, but um, how do you feel that bass lines play into melodies?
1: Without a bass line, all you have is this little thing on top of it and it's like you need the foundation to set like this is the key we're in so like the line is very important it is the fundamental of the melody
0: awesome um so how would you um i guess rank the importance of melody as compared to other like aspects of song um so like in this series we talked about um the beat uh the melody we're talking about music theory um and I should know the rest because I run the show, but I don't, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but would you say that, like, melody is, is more important to music um, or less important, or would you say something else?
1: Um, I think it kind of, there's kind of a gray area. It kind of fits in between because you don't always have to have a melody when it comes to music. It's like intros and outros of songs are just certain sections of the song they're like, okay, let's change it up here and it's kind of like transitional sometimes, but then sometimes it's not. So I don't think a melody is always required necessarily, but it does get the point across and it does give you like that one thing to really focus on. Nice.
0: That kind of reminds me of uh, Miles Davis' quote. He said that some of the most important notes he plays are the rests in between from what he's improvising. Um.
1: Yeah, I've heard that a lot, yeah. and especially being like a saxophonist, it's I almost would feel like the when you rest is more important than when you play. It's not all the time, but it's like if you're not counting your rest and all of that, then you're just not gonna play, right? When, when you're supposed
0: to. Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, this question is more subjective, um, but I think it's a good question, anyways. Um, so, do you think there is a, an objective, correct way for a, melody, for a melody to be dictated, or should it be natural and unpredictable?
1: Ooh. This is another one that it kind of goes, like, a little bit in both, because it's like when you think of all the different genres of music we have, um, in, like, in jazz, it's like you'll have the main melody, the main themes throughout, but then you'll have like an improv section, and I feel like majority of the time melodies should kind of have some kind of structure because that's like like I said earlier like the main idea so it's, it's kind of iffy like that is a very subjective question because it's like when it comes to certain genres of music sometimes they don't even write out what they're playing so it's like most of it might even be improv but like they'll find a melody and they'll follow it so it's I feel like it kind of goes both ways
0: with that one. Nice. Um, So it kind of leads into um, what I want to talk about next. Uh, I've been reading a book by, I guess listening to a book by Susan Rogers, who, spoiler, will be a guest on the last episode in the show. Yeah. Um, And uh, she talks about um, music in general being above the neck or below the neck. And like above the neck music would be kind of like Miles Davis or like Beethoven where it's very like they write music in such a way where they don't necessarily have to feel the emotion themselves, but they know how they compose a piece or how they play a piece that it's going to make the audience feel sad, happy um, lonely, scared, or whatever Um, and then Below the Neck uh, would be something more like heavy metal, rockish, where it's like they're playing because it's what they want to play and however it makes you feel they care because, you know consumerism Um, But it's, it's, their music attracts the audience. They don't put their music out to a certain type of audience. Um, And so I just want to get like your opinion on whether you personally enjoy like above the neck or below the neck um, music more and how you think that a melody can kind of um, infer or help a listener infer what category the song they're listening to falls in.
1: That's a really good question. (laughs) And I feel like my answer is also one of those. I feel like I can kind of fall into above and below in that category. Because it's like, there's that, like, band person inside of me that I love a good band piece. Oh my goodness. I love a good band piece. You give me the piece of paper, I play what's on it. And then sometimes, like, I'll feel an emotion or whatever from that. But then there's also that aspect of me that... I so enjoy when an artist puts out something that they made that they want to show the world and they're excited to perform it. I love when people are excited to perform. So I just, I think I I fall into both. I'm like, there's the part of me, the music ed, the like classical part of me that's like, yeah, let's just straight to the point. But then there's the other part of me that's a little bit more like, more of like a modern day type music thinking where I'm just like, this is cool. It looks like that person's having a lot of fun performing it and writing. So I'd say both.
0: Yeah. So not every, not everyone enjoys the same type of music, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm interested to hear your perspective on um, how performing, um, a specific genre of music over the years Uh, like you've been in band for a while for a while you've played you know classic uh, wind band literature and have been exposed to like orchestral literature Um, I'm interested to hear how that kind of exposure has not only shaped your taste but your perspective in um, like musical uh, your perspective in music as in general
1: Mm -hmm. um I think being exposed to all these different forms of music so early on just in my development has given me like so much more appreciation and then when I got to college I was like this is so cool everything's so different and like we're required to take all kinds of like world music like three music history classes within the music ed degree and um being exposed to all of these different types of music has made me appreciate Honestly, just music more as a whole because it I love seeing how other cultures and people all over the world use music for like religion, just for anything and everything, and how music to some cultures is almost everything to them, and that is so interesting to me because it's like, I think music's everything to me, but then I see how some of these other people live all across the planet, and I'm like, that's all y'all have. That's all they have, nothing else. So, it's I've grown to be very appreciative, like of all kinds of music, and I will try to listen to everything that I can at least like one time, just to be like, okay, well at least I know this exists.
0: Um, <clears throat> this really doesn't pertain to melody, but do you think that um, being able to listen to different types of music is I guess a luxury and like being able to be a critic of music is a luxury that not everyone um, can afford. Um, would you kind of agree with that? Or do you have anything to like expand upon?
1: Um, I would agree to a certain extent because we do have the luxury of going online and you can literally find almost any composer, any artist, anyone you can find someone that just released a song today and it has like two listens and
0: this podcast by the way
1: amen (laughs) uh (laughs) but it's just like we have so much more like technology to be able to make music and to find all of these types of music but i don't think like here in the united states we definitely have that luxury but in other places, the only music that they have is the music that they make themselves. So it's like, we're lucky here, and it is a luxury. So I would consider like being able to partake in music is kind of... Not necessarily a luxury, but being able to listen to all kinds of music and be able to experience all kinds of music is kind of a luxury.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, that's everything I had. Um, I don't think... Everything anything else, which I said already. <laughs> um, cool. So thank you for uh, meeting with me today and for um, talking. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem.
0: Alright, thank you to Maddie one more time. Obviously, you guys as a listener don't know this, but she stepped up kind of last minute to fill in an empty spot I had um, to help me out with this interview, so much appreciated to her. Um, definitely saved this episode for sure. So the next guest we have is a local band from right here in Athens called Topped Off. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and I hope you enjoy our conversation.
2: Um, Hi, I'm Jake. Uh, I'm the guitar player and vocalist in Topped Off. And fun fact about me, this is my first band.
3: Yeah. Hi, my name's Colin. I play bass and also do vocals in Topped Off. Uh, a fun fact about me is this is like my fifth band, but it's the first band that I actually really like playing in.
4: Ooh, that's kind of a diss. <laughs> I'm a, I'm Ethan. I'm the drummer. And a fun fact about me is that um, I think I have a genuine addiction to buying musical instruments.
2: He's like, I'm actually... <laughs>
0: All right, awesome, great to have you all on our show. So the first question I'm gonna ask is describe your band, what types of music you play, and what your goal is as musicians.
4: I would say um, we kind of combine a lot of different elements. I think there's a lot of blues and funk and um, rock influences that we kind of blend. Uh, we borrow very heavily from the likes of a like, Hendrix, um, and kind of brought all of our musical backgrounds whereas I kind of came from playing a lot of funk and jazz uh, Jake came from doing more jazz and R&B or blues and R&B excuse me and Colin was doing heavier stuff and kind of mixed it together into our own uh, blend of uh, of genres. I'd be interested to hear what uh, you guys how you guys would describe it.
2: Uh I would say it's like, it's like, uh, not body painting, but like where you, uh, take paint in your hand and you just throw it at the board. Cause it's just like, uh, yeah, Jackson Pollock, because it's, uh, we have an idea, but it's kind of based on improv and where stuff lands. So I think I only ever played music by myself. So I think this is the perfect pairing where I feel open enough to learn from other musicians because they're my best friends too but um, also be able to have my own voice in it and I think we all have an equal voice in the in the band
3: yeah for me it's kind of like I, I see it as like chiseling like making something out of just like a huge block of like... I don't know, marble or whatever. You're slowly making something else. Cause like Ethan said, we all have like different backgrounds and stuff like that. And when we first started, like it was still good, but it felt like we didn't find our direction until, you know, we just kept jamming and jamming and until we eventually we were just like, Oh, this sounds kinda cool. Let's roll with this more. And it 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 was a process. Like but I feel like I feel like it was a really, really interesting and fun process for all of us. We're all learning in very different ways, like with Jake, being able to play with other musicians like consistently, or with me playing like softer or slower stuff as opposed to like what I grew up with playing like like faster tempos or heavier stuff, learning restraint, or I don't know, just learning stuff that you didn't inherently seek out to do, but it just comes with time.
4: I think it's been a really cool to watch um and be able to participate in the kind of evolution of our music because I do feel like not just with our overall sound, but even with some specific songs. There are some songs where if you listen to a demo or uh something like that from a year ago versus um how we play them now, they're the same it's still the same song, but it they've evolved. I feel like our music is kind of constantly growing and evolving and I, I feel like it's less at least for me about what the, the the sound is and more just if it feels good so we play hard and fast things we play slow ballads if it feels good to play then that's, that's all I need
2: yeah I think our biggest goal because we're still learning right now how to in a recording um, in a studio Uh, session how to have that same energy come through as our music does live so even in that we're still learning and trying to figure out and it's ever evolving you know and we only have so much time left here so we're trying to learn really quickly but I feel like we've grown a lot it's been like two years um all in our spare time so yeah I think that's our goal right now as a band is to because we're recording, to have that same energy in the studio and recorded music um, and be able to match it to what is felt in a live setting. I feel like that's our biggest challenge right now.
3: I feel like, oh, sorry. Just learning a lot of like the small complexities of things, because we. I, I feel like we shine the best when we're in a live setting, just because of our energy, the stuff we play. It just works very well for when we're in in front of an audience.
2: Athens is such a cool place and it gives a lot of people a platform a supportive platform to perform what they think is cool and often it's well received which is nice you don't get shot down Um, so I'll forever be thankful to this place and places like the Union Casa just small places around town and then we if we're lucky we get to play in places like Columbus but we have that background and that um safety of our hometown to play at and try stuff out Mm
4: -hmm. um i mean the union at least to me will always feel like like almost our home i think that's probably where we've played the most shows and i think yeah creating that feeling of of live um through recording i think a big goal with recording music is not just Getting something recorded, but making something that people will um, actually listen to and enjoy. And I, I've, it sounds um, like, well, duh, of course. But I think um, creating uh, and finding how you have to approach recording diff- completely differently than playing live to essentially achieve the same results. You're working in uh, different different means to reach the same end which I think is really interesting and uh, there's a, a lot a lot we have left to learn there
0: Alright yeah that brings up a really interesting point um, and I'd like to jump ahead in our questions here and it's when you write a song specifically a melody for a song do you write it with the intent to make your audience feel a certain way or do you write it to express how you're feeling or if it's both how do you tackle each aspect
3: I think it's more how we feel a lot of the time it's like oh we write a song and it starts out slow but it could maybe it starts out like a a slow softer type of thing and then it builds into something more powerful it's just kind of like it's like following the music in a sense and I feel like I feel that's when a song is at its best. When you're not trying to make, you're not trying too hard to make it something. It just comes naturally. Like with with how we write songs, a lot of the time it's just jamming and then making it into something more concise. Uh,
0: so could you take us through like your songwriting process and um, how that works?
3: A lot of it is
2: either I'm at work and I pull up voice memos and I look like a psychopath <laughs> and I'm just like, like humming. Um, something and then I come back and uh, Colin and I will work it out together and then we'll bring it up when we're all three together playing Um, or we'll just find a song that we all like and it's almost like a template and we kind of write around the inspiration of one song and through that we have our natural like tendencies and that makes it our own when we're writing those songs so it's kind of like a It's kind of like a Word document or, like, PowerPoint, like, template. And then I don't know if that's cheating or whatever, but, like, we we have – found that um, to be a a more efficient way of, like, coming up with ideas rather than just from scratch.
0: But, yeah. All right, that brings up uh, another interesting point. Um, So because this episode is about melody, um, are there any – certain like types of melodic tendencies do you guys notice you have as a band so like are there uh riffs that you guys tend to like are there rhythms or patterns that you enjoy playing within a melody or are there different artists that you draw from when you are crafting a melody for one of your songs
3: um hmm. uh... I think for me, it's like figuring out ways for us to fill everything or like every space as much as we can, because we're a three piece, you know, it's just guitar, bass, drums and vocals. And so especially with like our our softer, slower songs that are more uh, melodic, it's like figuring out ways like, okay, Jake's playing these chords and I'm like kind of hearing a bass line in the back of my head to like. When I'm like writing more melodic bass line, I kind of see it as like dancing around what Jake is playing. He's giving me room to just have fun. And so by me being more active, it's kind of like occupying the space that say like a second guitar part or even like a piano part could take.
2: Yeah, I think um, we have a song called Mad Woman and we just played it last night and is very slow to me after you like you play a fast song and then a slow song. And all those bare parts feel especially naked and it's it's very vulnerable being up there and it's all those like if you mess up it's (laughs) well known so in terms of like writing melodies for stuff like that like i'm not the best singer like i have a very short range so um it kind of is just what I can do vocally in terms of writing melodies. And then we have instrumental melodies and whatnot, but like what we're able to do. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just like what I can do vocally and what Colin can do vocally.
4: Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I know we take a lot of influence from kind of classic blues playing. And so a lot of those, we all joke that Jake loves blues riffs, which is, that's a good thing. Um, but I feel like, sometimes our approach to melody at least how i see it is finding and introducing melody in all the parts i think often you can get caught in the trap of approaching um any given song this is the one singular part is the melody but i think all instruments um can be approached melodically even drums i think one of the the biggest Um, kind of fallacies you can fall into as a percussionist is just approaching it as um, you have the okay I have three drums I have three sounds and and things like that where you can listen to what's going on in the bass and guitar and interplay with that to help accentuate the the melodies through um, the percussion which I feel like can make those uh, melodies and musical lines f- feel a lot more powerful and fleshed out by, like Colin said, when there's only three of us, it gives more space for each of us to um, kind of dance around the, the uh, rhythm and, and uh, structure of the song without... Getting in each other's way, and I feel like that allows us to um, to approach those melodies in not necessarily an unconventional way, um, but to bring, I guess, al- almost a little bit more life to them and personality than we would be able to if we um, if we treated each of us as distinctly separate pieces Where it's, here's the guitars here's the bass here's the drums i think it's really in finding those kind of liminal spaces in those overlaps where you get that room to to play off of each other and really explore the uh, melodic opportunities within within the song
3: i think like just playing with these two specifically it's like open my eyes at least for how much like how much you can do with your instrument. Because, like, especially with percussion, like, I mean, I knew that there was a lot of opportunities and things you could do with drums, but Ethan really opened my my mind up to, like, oh, no, you can, like, get a million different sounds from a snare, not just with, like, tuning, but the way you hit it or the way you, like, like just do one small little thing or, like, with toms or even, like, miscellaneous percussion, like a cowbell, shakers, tambourines, things like that. And so I think just like finding ways to be innovative or just do something you may not have expected a drum or a bass part to do I think that really brings can bring it out in a song and that I, I feel that's like I feel that's what we try to do with our music a lot
0: all right cool so what it sounds like I'm hearing and correct me if I'm wrong is the you treat topped off as the instrument and then the three of you as individuals are just... Um, more so cogs in that wheel or machine um, I know it's kind of like harsh and, and sterile sounding um, but uh, do you get kind of what I'm going for there? I would agree it's cooler
3: than yeah. you put it yeah, yeah. i guess, agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. Cool. the music's more important than us yeah, like I think, at the end of the day
4: and we've spoken about because this very well may be kind of our, our last hurrah over the next um, year or so that Um, I don't think Topped Off as the band could exist. It it, it is, at the end of the day, the three of us um, with a different guitarist or a different bassist or a different drummer. I think it just becomes a separate entity. And I think it's not just like writing or performing the music, but almost doing what we can to serve the music um, and almost let it... uh, it sounds kind of pretentious, but almost like acting as a, like a conduit for that and and trying to, instead of uh, making the music what we want it to be, almost trying to figure out what it wants to be, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so kind of like letting the music take its uh, natural course.
2: Yeah, I, I even feel that when I'm, because I'm a naturally shy person, but when I, I'm still shy on stage, but when playing, I don't. Even think of myself, I'm not thinking about, uh, oh, if I mess up, when, like, we're really into it, and that's how I know I'm like, okay, I'm focused. Like, I don't care if I mess up. It's not about me. I realized that last night um, and have been recently, but uh, I think that's indicative of uh, how it's bigger than us, I guess. We're (laughs) cocks.
4: Just another brick in the wall. (laughs)
0: So we've been talking a lot about um, different shows and upcoming events that you guys have. Would you guys like to take a second to plug different events that you guys have coming up, or different uh, EPs or singles you got coming out?
3: Uh, yeah. So currently we're recording another EP with uh, Brick City Records, the record label attached to a high university. Um, yesterday, well, I don't want to date this, but. Um, October 28th, we played at the Block Party and CASA. Um, I believe our next show is going to be November 10th at CASA as well. And currently we have an EP and a single out on Spotify at the moment. If you've been to our live shows before, they are radically different in terms of how they sound compared to you know what we play now because we wrote those when we first started. So don't want it to be weird i want you to be upset or disappointed in any case scenario (laughs) but
2: oh you'll be disappointed no matter you'll be
3: very you'll be you'll be disappointed no matter what happens (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's that's mainly what we got going on for right now
4: hopefully i think that that ep is supposed to come out and correct me if i'm wrong is it march or april
3: maybe I believe, yeah, around then.
4: Around then. And that will be more of the music um, that we've been playing live now and kind of how our music has evolved um, and I, I guess trying to kind of present a better picture of where we are now as a as a musical group versus um, where we came from because we have had, um, like, some of my friends, when they first saw us live after listening to the EP, um, like that. This is a different band. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, literally. I had I I have two of my friends down from New York, and they had only heard our EP and our single, and then they hear us last night like playing Fire by Hendrix and some of our louder songs, and they were just like, "I was not expecting that." I literally thought it was just gonna be like slow bluesy stuff.
4: <laughs> we have evolved and changed quite a lot over the last few years,
3: for better and for worse. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so with your evolution as a band, would you say that your music grew with you as individuals or it grew with your comfort level with each other as a band or just uh, it grew naturally with time?
2: Well, I would say, I don't know about music taste because I'm terrible. Like I'll listen to the same songs. I just recently, I was like, I need to listen to all of Stevie Wonder's albums because like I like music. Why wouldn't I, you know? but I get stuck in listening to the people I like so I don't think it's that I think it's um I think it's come you know comfort and kind of l- that's how I what I learned from Colin is because like when we would jam it would be he would start a bass line and then Ethan would play off that and then I would have to play off what Colin's doing because um like we were watching a flea thing like a uh, Flea interview the other day and he was like uh, bass lines uh, infer a melody or infer a progression so inferring off what he's playing it's usually harder stuff so kind of just got me out of my comfort zone as I do for him um, and I kind of lost myself in what I was even saying <laughs> but uh, yeah I think um, I don't think it's so much what I'm listening to I think it's just how we play together has changed a lot and yeah. what we think is
4: cool I, I feel like it's almost um we've met more in the middle which with each of our individual playing styles and almost uh, like when we started off I and mean, this was jake's first band he we we had to like fight to get him to play harder and faster and really pushed to, to kind of get him out of his comfort zone and then almost the opposite with Colin. Um, and then pushing me to kind of um, almost both ways uh, to playing both harder and faster and softer. And I feel like over the, the time that we've played together, our separate styles have kind of converged um and brought us to where we are now to me it just me, man, I, I don't know it just baby yeah it just feels like a natural evolution of where we started
3: yeah yeah it's like what i was talking about earlier with like like how we all have like complete had, had and still do completely different backgrounds and like when we make songs or like when we were developing our style it's like chiseling it down it was like a slow, not like a slow, but a gradual meet in the middle type of thing. And we all changed, like, in different ways. Like, some more overtly, like, Jake playing faster. Or, like, with me, like, learning how to take a step back. Because the the music I used to play, I was always, like, doing really fast, crazy slap things or doing bass solos or stuff. But then I was like, no, not everything can be about you. Take a step back, Buster. <laughs> But it it, it it it's really interesting just being able to play with other musicians and learning this type of stuff. And even when we, like you know we all know each other very well, we but we still like surprise each other every once in a while with something. But like, it's like the an second, old marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we, we still all get hate each other. Spicy. We all want to get a divorce now. <laughs> the marriage has been dead for years. But like even like when We're we jam once a week, <laughs> when we jam with like uh, whenever I play with like my second like my side project or like with another musician it's just like oh now it's like a whole different vocabulary and it's like learning how they play and it's i don't know it's just a lot of fun being able to play with people that you've either done it with for a while or someone you just met and like are starting to jam with them for the first time it's just interesting to learn people's styles or backgrounds and stuff like that and developing your own by collaborating i guess
0: all right and so kind of circling back to melody what are three or maybe four things that come to your mind um as individuals when you think of melody i would
2: say tension and release is one um if you not that we try to write catchy songs to like play on the radio or whatnot but you should be able to hum it the like the basic melody you should be able to hum it um and be too complex because then it's just too much for people um i think you should aim to make listenable music not i know that sounds you know duh but like people i feel like people if you uh get so far into music you start to make music for other musicians and that's where you can kind of overcomplicate yourself um and it doesn't it's not true expression um And then, yeah, I I think those are, I don't, like, think about those. Like, every time I try to think about something, it literally just comes to me. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. It's as basic as that, but it's in my subconscious. I think that's, those are my rules.
3: I think for me, the biggest rule is probably just, like, making it as busy as it should be, whether that be the vocal melody, guitar line, bass line, drums. Like, it's super cool having complex parts, but in terms of, like, the context of what everything else is playing, you know, you might have to dumb it down or, like, like you know, not do what you wanted to do in the first place. And it may hurt a little bit, but for the, the rest of the band, that's what is really most important. And I, I think that kind of ties into the second thing, like, just the context of everything, you know? If it's a slow song, don't, like like play something that works well with being slow don't just like don't just like play something that's like really fast or crazy just because you think it's cool just have fun you know to be honest jake kind of stole the ones that i was gonna say All Right, dude well i
4: can hear the cogs turning in colin's brain the gears are turning. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, I kind of
3: took most of those. Yeah, you, he said three or four, and you said like nine. I said three. Well, see this, and this, and this, and pulls out his pulls out his notebook. Bo- pulls re- out his no notebook of yeah, things. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say tension and release as two. <laughs> tension and
3: release is one. And I said what the other one? I don't know. There was definitely a comma in there. Tension, comma, and release.
4: This is, this is what I have to put up with all the time. My life is hell. I think, I think back to melody after that, uh, short diversion. Um, I, I think it's a lot of kind of conveying emotion, whether intentional or, um, just kind of implied or, or inherent. I don't think, um, a song needs to go into the writing process with saying, this is the feeling I want to convey, um, or even wanting to convey an emotion at all for it too. I think music is inherently an emotional and kind of personal medium, as with almost any art. Um, but I think kind of the conveyance of, of emotion and your feeling to the audience, um, as well as kind of approaching melody from a, a larger scale where it's not just um, I think melody is is present in in the individual in the individual like I mean like I was saying earlier the vocal melody the uh, guitar melody anything like that uh, but then also the song as a whole so I think it's important to kind of look at the melody on the small and large scale um, and Use that to, as I said, convey the the feeling to the audience and the tension and release, as Jake was saying. Um, I'm probably the least qu- qualified to speak on melody uh, because I, I just hit things. I've
3: heard you hum before.
4: Yeah, sing in the shower. Yeah.
3: He's very good at playing sitting on the dock of the bay. I'm,
4: I'm okay at playing. St- I, I play a tiny bit of acoustic. And you know, like Wonderwall at a, at a house party kind of thing.
3: Taught him everything he knows.
4: something like that but yeah that's that's what i i I think how i would approach it
0: all right and i think that's about all the time we have so i just want to thank you guys so much for uh taking the time out of your day to be here with us um and i hope you enjoyed it um yeah have a good one
4: thank you so much for having us us. it's been a pleasure
0: Okay, so that wraps up our guests for this week. Uh, We talked to Madeline State and the three members of Topped Off. What did we learn about melody? To me, the things that jumped out the most was that people enjoy a mix of cerebral, intelligent melodies and deep, simple, natural melodies. In my conversation with Madeline, almost every question I asked, she answered with two different takes. She talked about how she enjoys melodies with a mix of above-the-neck and below-the-neck aspects. I feel like this is something that most people can relate to, myself included. I know I'm not the only one that has playlists with Bach Krause and ACDC right next to each other. I think this variety in tastes within one person is a reason why it's so difficult to answer the question that I asked at the beginning of this series. But it also puts us one step closer to understanding our own tastes and preferences. Susan Rogers brings up an interesting point in her book, This Is What It Sounds Like which is understanding your own listener profile is crucial to understanding why you like the songs that you do. In the Topped Off interview, we talked about the three of them being almost servants to their music. It seemed they kept using sculptor or crafter analogies when referring to their mindset to writing songs and specifically melodies, highlighting that they do whatever they can to make their music express raw emotion. They also brought up the challenge that they have with transferring that emotion from a live stage to an mp3 that that is streamed. This is a common challenge that recording musicians face and one that some unfortunately never overcome. However, one of the things that help translate emotion is the conscious use of music theory concepts such as cadence types, chords you used, and other things of the like. A good producer doesn't hurt either. In Top Off's case, a mix between emotion and the employment of music theory is crucial. They gave me their permission to do this and so I would like to play some selections of their early songs to help demonstrate what I'm trying to say. All right, so I have two songs from Topped Off. We're going to listen to Bubblegum and to Great Mud. They are both from Topped Off's Somewhere Out There album. I think both songs are absolutely fantastic, and they're some of their more slower and bluesier um, songs. Um, We heard them talk earlier and say they have kind of a mix. Um, They like to play some harder stuff, like Hendrix, Um, but each of them kind of... Uh, have their roots and slower bluesy songs. Um, so the first one we're going to check out is Bubblegum and I'm going to play a little bit of the intro and then some of the first chorus and a little bit more. right, so that was the introduction to bubblegum. Um, If you notice the kind of improvisation style that they have going on, um, I think that helps them convey emotion better, um, and especially in a studio scenario where um, it's just what's going on in their heads, hearts and guts, and they just put it all out um, for us to listen to and enjoy. Um, And I hope you did enjoy, because I know I did. Um, So next I'm going to play a little bit further down in the song, and take a listen to more what we talked about with the improvisation style, but also listen to the vocals and how they sit into the mix. I know that Jake talked a lot about how he didn't feel like he was the most talented vocalist, um, which I think some people would objectively agree with. However, if you listen to how they sit in the mix and how they are uh, kind of sculpted around the songs, I think you'll find that it really brings out the emotion in their songs and kind of helps just convey what they want to convey. So that was the section from Bubblegum. I'm going to close out this episode by playing a section from Great Mud, which is one of my favorite songs from Topped Off. While you're listening, I want you to think about them in a studio trying to sit in a pocket and mesh together so that the listener is just surrounded by sounds and music and feeling exactly what Topped Off wants you to feel thank you so much for listening to this, to this episode today. And I hope you join us next week when we talk to a couple professors from Ohio university's uh, music theory faculty.